Welcome. You're listening to Living Faith Podcast. Starry sky and see your hand in time and mind to lead me through the night. I got a idea and a thought recently and I began to do a little research and study and it crossed my mind what it might be like, how interesting it might be. If I were an HR director or I were a manager, I was interested in hiring someone for a position And in going through the submitted applications, there were the associated resumes. And I leafed through the resumes, and in the resume, I saw a resume simply titled, The Apostle Paul. What what would that resume look like? The Apostle Paul at the top, I'm sure he doesn't have an email address But it would say the Apostle Paul, his contact information, it might be a little difficult at this point in time. But at the top of that resume, it might say synopsis. Just give us a quick rundown, one or two sentences of who you are. You know, the Apostle Paul, his synopsis might say, considered by many the greatest apostle. There's a synopsis, considered by many the greatest apostle. Perhaps under the element of education, the Apostle Paul's resume would say, I was raised a Pharisee of the purest order. I was born a Roman citizen and taught in the ways of Rome. As a trade, I learned tent making. And by the way, I studied with the famous Rabbi Gamaliel. He was certainly a learned man. What about experience? You get to that category in St. Paul's resume, experience. You know, he might note, well, I was employed a while by the high priest to persecute and capture Christ followers. He might include, in fact, I watched as one of those followers, Stephen, was stoned to death. He might mention in his experience on a road trip, I was blinded by a powerful heavenly light and I heard the Lord's audible voice and even those around me heard him speak to me. He could go on to explain three days after that event, I met a man by the name of Ananias and Ananias prayed for me and I received my sight again and then Ananias explained to me the way of Christ Jesus and I was baptized and from that point forward also began following Jesus. What kind of experience do you have, Paul? Well, about three years after my conversion, I was finally accepted by those original disciples and I became an apostle to the Gentiles. During my ministry as experience, I spent a total of about five years in prison because of what I believed and what I taught and how I ministered. In terms of experience, I was persecuted by Jews and Romans alike. I was beaten with stones one time and left for dead. Three times I was beaten with rods. Five times I received 39 lashes with a whip. Three times I was shipwrecked 
because of ministry. Well, what about accomplishments? What did you get accomplished in your work, in this resume, Apostle Paul? He would be able to write, I was used by God in miraculous ways. Because of God working through me, I was able to curse a sorcerer with blindness so that he could no longer confuse people. I called a lame man up off his feet to walk again. By the hand of God, I cast an evil spirit out of a lady so that she could be free. I was preaching one time a little too long and a little too late, and one of the folks fell out of a window to the floor outside and died. But I went down by the hand of God, and Eutychus was raised back to life again by the hand of God. What is your experience? What are your accomplishments? Paul would say, well, I I made three extensive missionary journeys. In fact, I traveled thousands of miles in those three journeys. I established churches in many cities. I traveled for more than 10 years in missionary travels. I also trained up followers and those take over the ministry. John Mark, I tutored him. Timothy, I trained him. Silas, I trained him. Barnabas, I trained him for ministry. I shared my testimony with anybody who would hear, and the Lord opened a door, and I could share my testimony with governors. I shared my testimony with kings, even with Caesar. They put me in prison, and in prison I shared the gospel of Christ, and many became followers of him, even among Caesar's household. And by the end of ministry and my time being done, I wrote 14 instructional letters to individuals and churches I had started, and they now serve as much of the New Testament. Paul could say in his resume... In those writings that I shared, 14 books, I described Jesus Christ to anyone who would read them. I know him as the peacemaker. I described him as the Lord of glory. He is the only foundation. He is a sacrificial lamb. He's the image of God. Paul would say, I know this Christ. He is a liberator. He's a supreme prize. He is a head of the church. Jesus is our coming Lord. Paul would say, he is the blessed and only potentate. He's the judge of all men. He's the redeemer. He's the captain of our salvation. He's a great high priest. He's the author and the finisher of our faith. Paul would say there was a time when I was praying that I might know Jesus Christ and I believe in the end I did know him for myself. Bottom of his resume, there's a little summary statement. Summary statement could easily have said a serious and successful servant could say an accomplished example, a great leader who called to others, follow me as I follow Christ. But I believe at the very end, and perhaps it should have been at the very top of his resume, 
What's your personal purpose statement? I think we find that in 1 Timothy chapter 1 and verse number 15. The Apostle Paul writing to his young follower Timothy, he says this, This is a trustworthy saying, and everyone should accept it. Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners. And I am the worst of them all. What's your personal purpose statement, Paul the Apostle? This is trustworthy. Everyone should believe this, he said. Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners. And I am the worst of them all. The Apostle Paul. I am the worst of them all. I would have to say today that upon that reading that, you have to wonder if that's more Paul's perception than real fact. Because... Paul, yes, he traveled thousands of miles. He traveled over 10 years' time in all of his known world. Surely he met all manner of people. But, and we can be sure he met sinners of all sizes and stripes. He met all kind of people. But did he meet every sinner alive during the time of his living? And in meeting sinners, did he know them long enough to know their sins, compare them to his sins, and be able to say, I indeed am the worst sinner of them all? Are you following me? I don't think it was a statement of fact and of social research. It was a statement of Paul's perception. I am the worst of them all. Uh, I, I guess there's the possibility that when Paul was struck down by God on the road to Damascus with that bright light, knocks him off the animal onto the ground, and God spoke to him, there is the possibility that not everything God said is recorded in Scripture. And perhaps it's possible that God speaking to the Apostle Paul when he knocked him on the ground said, and by the way, Paul, I want you to understand this, of all the sinners I've known, and I know them all, you're the worst there is, butta. You are the worst there is. Maybe that happened. Maybe he knew that because God laid it on his heart. You are the worst of the worst. But I think what's more likely, that Paul's statement, I am the worst of them all, reflects his own perception of his life. In Paul's mind, he's perpetually unworthy of God's gracious work in his life. And at the end of the day, or at the end of his life, whatever God was able to accomplish through Paul, in his mind, could never override his conviction, I don't deserve any of this. I am the worst of them all. Now here's interest me that that perception in Paul's mind it didn't prevent him from working tirelessly in God's purpose. 
He understood his perpetual unworthiness of God's grace, but it didn't hinder him from living fully within that grace. Would you hear me this afternoon? Paul did not allow, I am the worst of them all. He didn't allow that to overshadow the bigger truth of his purpose statement, the larger truth of his purpose statement. And the bigger truth is this, I may be the worst of them all, but Jesus is the greatest of them all. I may be the lowest of the low, but Jesus came to save me. The biggest truth, the primary truth is that Jesus came to save sinners. I believe someone clearly needs to hear this from Scripture today. Jesus came to save sinners. That truth overrides my sinfulness. That truth overrides my faults and my failures. Jesus came to save sinners. That overrides my addictions, my habits, and my personal failures. That truth overrides years that I have spent in pointless pursuits. Paul knew good and well, I'm the worst of sinners, but he didn't surrender to that. Instead, he decided, I'm going to surrender to Jesus Christ, the Savior of all the world. And as he did that, the Lord Jesus led him beyond salvation and into kingdom purpose. Don't you think it's interesting that the man who believed himself to be the worst sinner of all, his resume speaks the greatest apostle of all. How does that happen? Because of Jesus Christ. No human in this room, in the sound of my voice, or listening on the internet, or folks who don't even hear these words, no human should allow that worst sinner of all perception to keep her from Jesus Christ and His glorious salvation. But preacher, I am a huge sinner. Well listen, Jesus isn't surprised by that. He's not blown away by that he knew it all along that's why he came into this world preacher I keep messing up I keep failing it seems that I cannot be consistent in what I know Jesus wants me to do second Peter it records the Lord is long suffering toward us not willing that any should perish but that all should come to repentance what's that mean it means long suffering there's some patience and when I fall down and I do something dumb in the kingdom something I regret something I wish I could change my humanity says forget it I'm a failure and it's over the enemy says that's right you're over it's done but Jesus is long suffering and he says no come on get back up I'm I'm going to work with you a little while. Come on again. I'm going to reach to you. 
All should come to repentance. What's all mean? I'll tell you what all means. Even Paul. If the man who was joined together with those persecuting disciples, if the man who was hanging out while Stephen is being beaten to death with stones and Paul's watching being the coatman at the door, if he can be transformed by Jesus Christ, then so can we. If he can be changed by Jesus Christ, so can we. If his life can be turned around from the worst of sinners to the greatest apostle of all, can I sow into somebody's mind this afternoon, don't quit, don't give up, don't believe a lie, recognize, no, I am a sinner. My Savior is bigger than my sin. My Savior came to turn me around. Furthermore, even, even the worst sinner of all has purpose in the kingdom of God. Jesus isn't concerned just for our salvation. To me, one of the biggest mistakes anyone can make is to think Jesus is instant interested in a salvation package and I pick it up like some kind of heaven passport and once I have it in my pocket in possession, I'm good to go when the heavenly train comes blowing through town. No, that's just the start. It's just the start. It's just the opening up. Jesus Christ has purpose for every life. He has purpose for every life. He desires our development. The worst sinner of all got knocked off his donkey, gets blinded by a powerful heavenly light. Three days he's blinded, then he's healed, he's informed of salvation, and then he's baptized. But that wasn't the end of the story. It didn't move on in Scripture to someone else's confirmation story. It didn't go on to somebody else's transformation by the hand of God. No, salvation wasn't the end. The Lord Jesus had planned and purpose for Paul far beyond his salvation. The same is true today. Jesus came to save sinners and to give you and I kingdom purpose. There's no human should allow his worst sinner past to keep him from Jesus' purposeful future. I'm going to address the enemy's hampering and hindering and flat, bold-faced lies right now. Because we have the faith to believe Christ and His grace and His love to forgive my sins and to empower me with His Spirit. But then as the Lord begins to work on me about some kind of kingdom purpose... Then I start telling God how it really is. God, just a note. I know Paul had a resume. I have a resume too. 
And let me tell you, my accomplishments are wicked evil. You just got to know that my experiences are not anything to be proud of. In fact, I wish I could delete them from my resume. I wish they weren't out there in the ether internet somewhere that somebody can Google and find them. I, I Just listen, leave me alone, God. Stop messing with me. I, I, got, I got problems. I got things going on. I got this, I got that. We begin to tell God, who do we think we are arguing with God? Telling him, you know what? You might not want to mess with me. I'm the worst sinner of all. I got to think Jesus wants to laugh. I got to think Jesus is saying, wait a minute. So I just started ministering to you. I just started working on your life. And you think I don't know? Really? You don't think I haven't checked your references? You don't think I've made a few phone calls? You're trying to tell me, isn't it amazing? You're trying to tell me I don't know what I'm doing? God has to be graceful because, you know, he does know everything. And that would be pretty interesting. He could probably just lay it on us, right? But he gets a grin on his face and says, do you think I know who you are? Don't you think I know where you've been? And when my spirit and my word begins to call you and draw you and provoke you and to move you into new things in my kingdom, don't, don't be arguing with me. Don't give me that business. No, listen, Jesus is saying, I am still interested in saving you. I still have kingdom purpose for you. We cannot allow this worst sinner of all perception to keep us from Jesus. Jesus Christ's holy purpose in our lives. We've got to embrace the larger truth. Yes, I am a sinner, but Jesus Christ came to save sinners. That is the biggest truth. On one hand, we cannot help but be amazed at the Apostle Paul's resume. In all likelihood, Paul's spiritual resume is second only to Jesus himself. Certainly in his own time, perhaps in the times to come, and even in this world today, someone is being more influential for the kingdom than the Apostle Paul was in his time. But in his time, arguably, only Jesus served the kingdom in a greater fashion. And yet... By his own confession, Paul views himself as the worst sinner of all. To others, the greatest apostle. To himself, the worst sinner of all. Long into his ministry, he still got that perception. It still lay in there. Not only is it silent... And floating in his mind. But he writes it down in his letter. And it lives to you and I to this day. That tells me that it is spiritually important. And God wanted it to be part of what we know. He's planted new churches. 
mentored new ministers. He's the worst of all sinners. It's still in his consciousness. And I've got to ask why. Why is that still hanging around to such a successful person of God? Why is that realization still floating in his mind comes out written down on paper? I wonder if it's possible that Paul's candid self-assessment is what enabled his kingdom success. I wonder if it could be that Paul's incredible influence in the lives of sinners was amplified because he never forgot his past. Maybe you've heard the phrase some use about the disciples of Jesus Christ. People will say this, we are in the world, but not of the world. How many have heard that phrase? Mm -hmm. Many times we use that to distinguish disciples' differences from non-disciples. How followers of Jesus think and talk and act and live their lives differently than those who are not disciples of Jesus. We hear that phrase, we are in this world, but not of this world, and we use that to highlight the differences. But if we aren't careful, focusing on our differences can simultaneously separate me from sinners. Sinners who also need our Savior. As disciples, it's absolutely true. We are not of the world. Thank God he doesn't leave us where he found us. He has purpose for our lives. However, we must also remember we are in the world. Or as Paul described it, I am the worst Sinner, What's that all about? Maybe when I remember where I came from, it helps me relate to those who are still in that place. Maybe remembering my before Jesus status gives me faith and motivation that others can also be transformed as Christ has transformed me. Maybe when Paul rehearsed, I am the worst of sinners, it kept him from separating us and them and helped him to see sinners as us. What's the difference, preacher? You're splitting hairs. What are you talking about? I'll tell you what I'm talking about. Difference says this. You need Jesus. Similarity says this. We need Jesus. Focusing on the differences makes it look like it's disciples versus non-disciples. Like there's some kind of battle going on between humans who follow Christ and humans who don't. And that is a misconception. That is an error in Scripture that we've got to be careful not to fall into. Because the truth is this. The battle is between a holy, loving Savior and an evil, destructed 
Satan. The battle is between God and a fallen angel, one of God's own creation. But the battlefield is humanity. And that's where Paul kept the us in mind. All humanity is in the same battlefield. There is good and bad battling for each soul, all of humanity, each life. And when we embrace every human, regardless of how much we know about Jesus, how long we follow Jesus, every human is in a common battle, then we realize life purpose of Jesus Christ is what matters most. Jesus Christ can into the world to save sinners. That's what this is all about. Every other purpose is secondary. Every other purpose is farther down the list. I would say Paul's continued confession, I'm the worst sinner of all. It kept him continually aware of his primary purpose. Paul... Paul could have got all worked up about his tent-making business. His side hustle could have been making a lot of money. Looked like it had a little more promise. As he got older and a little more rickety, he could stay in one town, start pushing out the tents, and have everybody come to him. After all, he's writing letters now, and people can just read his letters. He could do the work of God and pay more attention to his side gig. He get to realize, and it's the us and the them, and he gets to think and look at all God has done through me. Look at all that God has accomplished through me. Look how far I have come in the kingdom of God. These other people, they don't know. They ain't ever going to get it. They're never going to be like me, and that would be a lie from the pits of hell. And rather than fall into that crater and destroy his kingdom purpose, Paul kept this little understanding in his mind. I I am the worst sinner of all. And other people are just living the way I used to live. And I've got to keep the number one thing, the number one thing. And that number one thing is Jesus Christ came into this world to save sinners. That is the bottom line. That is the important call of the people of God, of the church of God. Jesus came to save sinners. Apostle Paul at some point embraced this truth. If that's what Jesus is all about, then that's what I'm going to be all about. If that's Jesus' driving factor, then that's going to be my driving force. How is it that Paul, through the hand of God, called a lame man to walk and a dead man to life? I'll tell you how. Because he never lost. Jesus saves sinners like 
me. How did Paul endure beatings and lashes for his preaching and teaching? I'll tell you how. He never lost it. Jesus saves sinners like me. How did Paul spend years in rugged travel over thousands of miles and shipwreck? I'll tell you how. Jesus saves sinners like me. How did Paul train Mark and Timothy and Silas and Barnabas? Jesus saves sinners like me. How did Paul overcome in all those trials? Jesus saves sinners like me. How could he have the boldness to stand before governors and Caesar's household and proclaim the gospel because he knew very well Jesus saves sinners like me. I'm going to invite everybody in this house right now to pray. And I want us from front to back. Would you stand right with me right now? Just right where you are. And I want us first of all in this time of prayer to thank God for our salvation. Would you do that right now in whatever way is more comfortable? Whether you want to speak out loud or be quiet. Whether you want to raise your hands or whether you want to kneel. I want to thank God for my salvation. Come on. Will you thank the God Lord for forgiveness right now? Will you thank the Lord for transforming your life right now? Would you thank Him for keeping you and protecting you? Come on, that's beautiful. Come on, Mom and Dad. Come on, Grandma and Grandpa. Look back over your life. Look back over your history and your walk with God. Thank Him for His salvation. Come on, express it right now. Would you transition in that prayer right now? And you can stand where you are. You can make your way to the front. But I'm asking you to transition in those prayers. To say to God in this place right now, Lord, I know you have more in mind for me than salvation. You have more in mind for me than transformation but you've got purpose for me you have a kingdom plan for me Lord I want to know and understand and follow that plan Lord I want to keep at the forefront that you came to save sinners I don't know how and in what way you will fulfill that in my life but Lord I want to be open and available to how you administer Lord indeed your gospel is to all the world for sinners like me would you begin to pray around this room and throughout this house Jesus I'm interested, Lord, in your purpose for me. I'm interested, Lord, in how you would direct my life for your glory, how you would fulfill your purpose, Lord. I'm probably not going to be the Apostle Paul, but I guess if that's what you have in mind, tent making isn't that big a deal anyway. Lord, I want your purpose. I want to see what you would do in me, how you would minister in me. I want to be available, Lord, for your divine direction in my life. Come on, that's awesome. All over this house, are there others? Our musicians are going to play. There's going to be a little singing, but this is a house of prayer right now. From front to back and side to side, Lord, I am open. I want to embrace, Lord, Paul's summary statement, his life purpose. You came into this world to save sinners And I am the worst of them all. I want to know what you would do. 
I thank you for how you've ministered to me. Help me, Lord, to help somebody else. Show me, Lord, how I would speak to others, God. Minister in my life today. You've been listening to the Living Faith Everett podcast series. Tune in next week for the next part of this series, or join us online at livingfaithministries.church. Ghost.